The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded April 21st, 2020. Enjoy! Welcome to the May 2020 edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Hugh, Joe, looking pretty spry today. What's going on? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm happy. I just did like one of those self haircuts with my little son and my wife. So I'm, you know, I've still got some hair. So I'm good. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, well, do? Joe, you and I are both going to be out of that pool in the no time at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what this May thing you keep talking about is. I believe it was canceled for accountants for 2020. We just get 62 days in April. Thanks to the COVID <laughs> pandemic and deadline extensions. And we have used our extended period wisely to put numerous videos online about the various COVID financial uh, measures that the government has come out with. If we're not going to talk about COVID, Joe, what can we talk about? Well, why don't we start with home office expenses? I mean, many of us are required to uh, work from home now. Can we get a deduction in respect of it? And the answer is yes. Now, just taking a step back, there's a couple of things we need to think about. First of all, you actually have to be required to work from home. If you just choose to work from home, that is not good enough. Second of all, you got to meet one of these two criteria. The first one is that you have to principally work from home. Home. That's got to be your principal place of employment, so about more than 50% of the time. And uh, during this pandemic, many of us are required to do all of it there. So, so we're thinking, you know what, many more of us would, would be able to, to, to take advantage of this specific provision. Now, there is a question, though, in respect of it. When we say principally, is that in respect of the entire year? So if I'm required to work at home for two months out of the 12, I'm not at 50%, so am I out of luck here? You know, or do I just look at the period? So over those two months, I was supposed to be at home 100% of the time, and I would meet it. We see conflicting uh, comments from the specialists out there. Uh, but Caitlin, Hugh, what do you think on this? I think, Joe, both the required to work from home element and how we're going to deal with that primarily uh, needs to be addressed by CRA. And uh, I certainly appreciate that it's probably not in their top 50 things they need to get done to get all these benefit programs rolling. But I would guess in the summer or fall, they will probably come out with uh, how they're going to interpret this explicitly in light of the COVID pandemic, where the no. rules have to be varied a little. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the other, that was the first way you can meet the criteria here to write off a portion of your home, you know, costs, etc. One of the other ways is if that portion of your home is used all for just um, your employment purposes. So you can have no personal element to it at all. And if it's used all for it, you also ha are required to be meeting clients on a regular and continuous basis. Um, any comments about that, Caitlin or Hugh? Well, historically, when we looked at that, CRA said, if you're meeting clients on that regular continuous basis, you need to actually have the client in your office face-to-face -face discussions. But how does that work in a pandemic? Are Skype calls sufficient, Zoom chats sufficient in the past? CRA has said no. Um, we'll see moving forward if we get more guidance with respect to that uh, because I in think that would be a tough line. I think CRA has some options because yeah. we know we've seen court cases in the past yeah. that said yes. It's only been CRA that said no. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that they want uh, someone showing up in tax court going, well, CRA says I had to have people there in person moistly breathing on me, as our PM <laughs> likes to say. Uh, obviously, there are reasons we don't have in-person meetings at this point. And I think 
even if CRA is not prepared to move in whole, I suspect they'll move in part on this one. Absolutely. But I've been wrong before. We'll have to wait and see. Oh, why don't we move on to the next topic? Yeah, director liability. So a lot of our businesses out here are are struggling to make ends meet. We have significant cash flow issues. Mm -hmm. And and one of the questions that sometimes pop up is, you know, you have to pay your HST, um, but you also have to pay your suppliers. And if you want to continue operating, well, maybe you should just shunt that money over to the supplier. Well, the uh, caution we have here coming from the tax court as well as the federal court appeal is that money that you've collected for HST or GST, that's not your money. That's money held in trust for the government. And that needs to get remitted to the government ahead of these payments to suppliers. In the case we're dealing with here, we basically had a business um, who was dealing with cash flow issues. Customer was paying part of their bill, but not their HST. So they didn't have the cash to make the payment. Um, CRA said, well, you're not making the payment. The director is going to be held personally liable for this. Uh, and, And tax court and federal court of appeal actually upheld CRA's decision on the basis that the company made the decision to pay the suppliers before the government related to HST. So we need to really be aware of that trap as we are struggling just to make ends meet over the next few months. Kate, I think we're going to see more assessments of this in the future when we were given special dispensation to remit our GST late due to the COVID crisis. So as a director, I'd want to be really cautious that we've got our ducks in a row and we're going to be ready to make that remittance on June 30th. It's not going to be my personal liability because I didn't make sure that that was uh, going to happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. Well, since we're not talking about COVID, let's talk about employment insurance. Uh, (laughs) We got a court case not that long ago where we had a uh, truck driver and he said, I had to leave work and as a result, I should collect EI. And the EI authorities said, no, 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 you didn't have to leave work. You chose to leave work. Well, his argument was, I was suffering medically. There were problems with the vehicle my employer was asking me to drive. I think it had a gas leak. And the evidence that came forward said, well, actually, the repair logs show that this thing is well maintained. And the driver who used it after you didn't seem to have any concerns about a uh, gas leak. So, no, you had other options. You could have talked to your employer. Maybe they put you in a different truck. Maybe they did some repairs on that one. You didn't have to leave. You left voluntarily. No EI for you. And since that's not about COVID, obviously it couldn't apply to the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, except I don't get that if I leave work voluntarily either. So is that the same high bar? Your only choice was to stop working or you're not getting the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's not just is there something that is sort of pushing you to quitting. It's basically forcing you to quit. That's the key there. Yeah. So let's move on to the next topic here. Um, you know, when it comes to the 75% emergency wage subsidy, there have been many questions from our clients in respect of, you know, is it possible to accrue a salary for the January through March period so that uh, we're now eligible for the 75% sub in respect of our owner managers out there? So we have to deal with that. Well, we've got a recent court case that took a little bit of a, a look into that. And what it really comes down to, it's a fact-based thing, is 
what is the reality of your relationship? Were you essentially truly an employee before? Did you have a contract in place? Were you truly providing these types of services? In this other case that we saw here, the judge basically said, no, you can't just sort of reclassify something after the fact to be something else. Um, you know, you, you got to have basically a legal obligation to pay sort of at the time that that service was performed. And uh, if you didn't, then essentially you didn't actually have that type of expenditure. And you've got to you've, you've got to have a, a contract in place. You've got to have an intention to do it that certain way at that point in the past. And if you don't and if you can't prove it, then it's not a real thing. It's just sort of a, a shuffling of numbers here, a journal entry. And that is not good enough, not acceptable. Mm -hmm. Joe, on that wage subsidy, we know it's not good enough that you were entitled to get paid for that period. Mm -hmm. You needed to be paid sometime in January 1 to March 15. And uh, we know that at this point, they haven't fully figured out how that works for the owner-manager whose pay scale role might not be that regular every week or every month salary, but is more sporadic. Mm -hmm. We're going to shift over to one final court case coming out of Quebec. Don't worry, this is not COVID-related. A little spice of something different. This is a, actually a child care expense case. We had a taxpayer who claimed $22,000 of child care expenses over a three-year period. In fact, they did have invoices and receipts to support the claim. But at the end of the day... The CRA just didn't believe it. They didn't think the receipts were valid. The court actually looked at the facts and says, you know, we agree with CRA. These receipts are not valid. They disallowed the child care and also assessed gross negligence penalties. So got to be careful with those, uh, those uh, types of claims. That's all we have for this month. Chat next month. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. The preceding information is for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see www.videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc. 2020. All rights reserved.